Connecting, growing, and gaining opportunities together. Welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. I'm Michelle Bouchard, your host for today's show. This is our first podcast in a while, and we are very excited to be back. As many of our colleagues have done, we took a bit of a break so we could redirect our attention to more immediate matters. And now we are working to get back to our new normal, just as many of you are. But what does that look like for everyone? It's going to be different, and it's definitely going to change. Given that, we felt it was relevant to talk with a group of high-level leaders from across Indian country today to get a pulse of the industry as we all begin to open our facilities. Our two guests today are representing two different tribes in two different parts of the country. We'll be taking a look at how each tribe is different in membership, in size, and its location, but many of the things they are going through are the same. First, let me introduce John Felipe. John has over 25 years of casino resort IT experience within tribal and commercial facilities. He is an accomplished author and currently the executive director of MIS for the Quinault Beach Resort and Casino in Washington State. Welcome, John, and thank you for taking time to talk with us today. Well, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate the opportunity. So for starters, John, can you give us just maybe a little rundown of the tribe that you work for and the facility that you are mainly focused at? Sure. Uh, This is Quinault Beach Resort and Casino. It's one of the few, very few casinos on the West Coast that actually sits right on the ocean. It's a beautiful, beautiful resort. Not huge and is definitely a resort destination. Its large feeder market is, you know, an hour and a half to two hours. The uh, tribe lives more north. The reservation is a little more north of here in uh, Tahola and another place called Queets, which is on the edge of a uh, rainforest which is always a beautiful, beautiful drive. My role is mostly casino. I spend the majority of my time making sure that casino operations run and continue to run, and we continue to support tribal interests by uh, providing money and support for the tribe wherever we can. That's great. Now, I'm not really all that familiar with Washington, so I know where Seattle is. So are you guys like north of, of Seattle on the coast? We are actually west of Seattle. Seattle is inland based on the uh, Puget Sound, which is an inland waterway. And we actually go a little bit south and a whole lot west uh, until you hit the ocean. Okay. And how many tribal members are in the Quinault tribe? We have over 3,000 members. And how many uh, slot machines do you guys have in your casino? Uh, 750. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again, John, for, for being here today. Thank you. Next, we welcome Don McGrady. Don has 24 years of gaming experience working with multiple tribal casinos in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. Currently, she is the Director of Finance for the Little River Casino in Michigan. Don, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And so you are located in the southwest part of Michigan. What is the size of your tribe and, and the casino down there? Our casino, well, we're kind of in the northern half of Michigan, not quite in the UP, but the northern part of the bottom mitten. Um, Okay. Prior to closure, we had about 1,300 slot machines. After closure, we have a little over 1,100 machines. We are just right off Lake Michigan, very tourist area. We're very seasonal here. Just like John had said, we like to say we're a resort destination also here. 
pulling from the greater Grand Rapids area north. I work for the Little River Band of Ottawa Indians, and we have Little River Casino Resort. How many tribal members are within that tribe? I believe there's about 4,000 members. Your resort, so you have, you know, the hotel, the conference center, restaurants, etc. Yes, yes, we have all of that, spa, golf course, uh, gas station. It's so funny that you say that you're in like the northern part. So I'm from the UP. So when I think of Manistee, I always think downstate. But really, if you're downstate, you know, you're thinking Manistee is north. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so funny. All right. Well, thank you again, Don. And finally on our call today is Mike Day, who is our executive director and the founder of Tribal Hub. Mike founded Tribal Hub over 20 years ago with the purpose of bringing tribes together, tribal employees and resources as well together. Over those years, it has grown to become a more of a platform to connect and seek opportunities in solutions, best practices and technologies among tribal government, gaming and healthcare facilities. Prior to founding Tribal Hub, Mike has 25 years experience in the gaming hospitality industry, as well as in tribal government in senior management positions. So thanks, Mike, for being here too with us today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for uh, putting this together, Michelle. And uh, thanks, Dawn and John, for joining us. I'm going to sit and listen in the background for the most part here today, add to uh, the conversation where it makes some sense. But we've been spending a lot of time over the last few weeks, many weeks, I should say, just getting together organizations like uh, Dawn and John's um, tribes across the U.S. and having some conversations to talk about what's similar and also some things that are a little dissimilar with how people have been dealing with this pandemic. And now as we're looking to reopen and reopening and dealing with some of the challenges going forward. So uh, just looking forward to hear what they have to say. And uh, I'll send it back to you, Michelle. All right. Well, let's start off with just a quick check-in with each of your facilities. And let's start with you, John. Being in Washington, I know when a lot of the pandemic things started to happen, a lot of that focus was in Seattle. When did you close down your facility and when did you reopen it? And then I'm looking to find out how are people reacting now that you are reopened in that area? We closed mid-March, mid to late March, and then we were uh, shut down until just last week. We opened a couple of days after Memorial Day weekend. The reception, because we were close to the last casino open, so the reception wasn't uh, what others experienced who opened earlier, which was huge, huge lines out the door. But we had quite a few people coming in. We did a nice slow opening. We opened for the tribal members day one. Then we opened for county day two. And then we opened for everyone day three, which was uh, the Friday prior. So it was actually quite the homecoming for a lot of people who are coming here because it was uh, enjoyable, I think. You know, everybody misses their entertainment. And uh, we had uh, a great response, though not a huge response. The one thing I noticed more than anything else was the amount of revenue that was being generated by less people. I don't know if it was just them having more money or what, but boy, creating more coin in per person than we had in previous times. Yeah, I feel like even around here, people are just ready to experience something fun and some entertainment and to just have some downtime. And, you know, for a long time, they couldn't have that. So now they're ready. Now, are you mandating masks, gloves? What are you doing there? Absolutely. We started out without mandating masks, but a few days later, you know, we saw that the majority of people were in masks and was creating kind of some conflict, I think. So we decided to mandate masks throughout. 
we're doing temperature scans as they walk in. We're asking them the typical questions. Do you have cough? Do you have your stomach? Usual thing. We have cleaning going on, uh, running around cleaning all the machines as, as fast and as often as we can. We've shut down the casino for eight hours of, of a 24-hour day. So we can do the heavy cleaning. We put plexiglass between the machines. And not only between the machines, we put plexiglass up in the restaurants to kind of separate tables, which in our open eating areas, which was a unique thing that I haven't seen many other places. Yeah, I haven't really seen that either. So that's interesting. That's interesting to see. Yeah, it's fun if they try not to walk into them. That's (laughs) the hardest part. (laughs) Now let's switch over to Don back here in Michigan. Have you guys seen some of the things that John has been talking about? Have you done the same type of things with your reopening? Yes, pretty much the same thing. We opened on May 29th and we opened a soft opening. We only opened up half our hotel rooms. Those half were invited guests. They're hosted players that stayed in the room during those times. So some of them had checked in the night prior. We opened at 8 a.m. on Friday, ran through some of our health and safety protocols just to ensure that we had the processes down right, temp text down, right? So we kind of started off with that. By noon, we actually had locals, people coming in. It was open to the public, but as the word got out there and then we post it, we're ready. So during that weekend, we had a great weekend. And then our official public announcement open was on June first. So we were ready. We just enjoyed that whole weekend. As he said, as John mentioned, that pent up, people having money to spend. So we really enjoyed that weekend. And then it just kind of trailed through the following week. We had a larger competitor that did not open until after we did. So during that time, we had probably captured some of their wallet share there. With the health and safety, uh, the cleaning, everybody's done great with that, keeping up with that, trying to maintain our occupancy levels just so we have not too many people on the floor. And the dining spaces, we did not open up our buffet. Uh, We just opened up the second restaurant the other day. But when we first opened, we only started with the deli. So that kind of was hit hard that first weekend, but everything was spaced out. So we've enjoyed opening our doors again. Yeah, for sure. And now hearing that your buffet is shut down, I've seen that across the nation at so many facilities who have buffets, casinos specifically, that have shut them down. Do you have plans to reopen as a buffet or maybe change some things to open it up as another food service? Yeah. So right now, actually, our food and beverage director is currently in that process of determining what that outlet should be. Exactly what you said. Should it remain buffet? Should we change the concept? So as we speak, that is one outlet that's being focused on right now. So we we don't have a definite answer of what that's going to be when it does reopen. So I'm excited to see what they come out with. Yeah, me too. I It's definitely a different opportunity to try something completely different and new and see what your customers think. Correct. Yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of the same thing. We, we're actually looking at turning into a food court in that type of thing because we just opened the buffet a year ago. So it was like, oh, 
Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, this Mike, I'm going to ask a question about this because I haven't been in the casino uh, business for many, many years as well. I've always thought that one of the toughest jobs in any of the facilities was a F&B manager. They have a very tough job and working with uh, a lot of people and sometimes some pretty slim margins. And, and with all of these new rules where you can't even fill places up entirely and they've got to change the way they're doing it, how much time of the uh, executive team organizations is spent uh, dealing with food and beverage and how to make them more efficient and to sort of stay alive in this environment? Because it's got to be a struggle unless somebody found something magic. It was always a difficult business. And this just really had to put, turn the pressure up. I'm just wondering what's happening in each of your organizations. Well, I can tell you in mine, we looked at it as an opportunity because when you have restaurants that are losing money, like you were saying, the margins are really tight or you have restaurants that just not going to make the grade. It was it was a time for us to shut them down, reevaluate how we want to reopen them, clean up the menus, ask ourselves questions why it wasn't profitable and what we can do to make it better. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Prior to us reopening, we took a look at all of our financial history of some of those outlets and tried to come to a determination of at this point in time when we reopen and we're trying to recapture some of the lost revenue that we had during closure, we had to really reevaluate where we're putting our resources. And so that's exactly what we did too, is take a look and some of those not so profitable outlets had to reevaluate them. And when we opened, we were just kind of focusing on, okay, we have to have a food offering to our patrons. So we have that. And then a couple of weeks later, we brought up our sports bar and grill. That's back up and going. And so we have a little bit of variety there and then just focusing on what is the next best offering for them while reevaluating some historical data to be more profitable going forward. Yeah, that's great. I was just wondering about that. So thanks for that information, just because food and beverage is such an important part of what uh, resorts do and amenity, but just so much more challenging. Just one more question before I let Michelle go take back over here. But another thing I was thinking is you both started out by saying that your resorts, so you're a bit of a destination you have a local market, but you pull from a broader market. Are you finding when you're reopening that you're getting more of what you would consider a local business and less people traveling or you haven't really noticed a difference? I'm just wondering if people are willing to travel sort of outside of their counties or if you're seeing that it's really the local crowd that's filling the seats. Just interested to hear what, what you're saying. I would say for us here, we see the travelers coming here and being in northern Michigan during the summertime, as I mentioned, we're very seasonal. So we see a lot of people coming up north, coming back home, you know, to their second homes up here. But we're also seeing that we're still pulling from where we've always pulled from, which is down south and on the eastern side of the state. So we've been able to capture some of those trips up here. And, you know, we do have our local market still coming. But just when we take a look at where our, our patrons are coming from, it seems the southern area for us. 
Yeah, we're very similar in our setup. We're getting the travelers. People are willing to travel out here. They've been coming, not as many as we had before, but our season's just starting to ramp up because we're also a summer destination. We have our local community, definitely uh, who's loyal because we have a lot of retirement in this area. So they're playing quite a bit and they're willing to come out. And it's really kind of funny because we were concerned with the amount of things we were having them do to get through the door that we might have some issues with people saying, I don't want to do that and all these other things. But we found that They're willing to take temperatures, answer questions, and even scan some IDs, which is something we've been doing as well for people that don't have players cards, and quack like a duck if we asked them. It's been been quite interesting. Now, Don, with your spa that you have on your resort, I'm interested, have you opened that up yet or is that still closed? Yes, that's still closed. We're actually looking at not opening that until the third or fourth quarter, just given the situation with the close contact and things like that. That's one area that we're not going to focus on right now and just kind of see where we're going with the pandemic and what's to come out of it, you know, how comfortable people are. So we decided not to put our resources there either because we do have the spa with the massages, the hair salon, the manicures, pedicures. So just with the health and safety program, we decided, you know, we're just going to leave that for reevaluating for the future. And I think our guests have really come to understand that there hasn't been a lot of negativity regarding having not opened that. I think they're very understanding of that. Now, what about the, your hotel? Now, both of you have a hotel on um, property. Did you open that the same time as the casino or did you hold off a little bit on that? We opened our hotel at the same time and we left our spa closed just like Don did. So we have two hotels, one that's away from the casino once here. We That one still hasn't reopened. And we've actually turned that one over to the National Guard. The National Guard helped us to convert the, one of our other hotels to be a place for tribal members to isolate in case of coronavirus outbreak or anything like that. So we uh, actually haven't reopened that one yet. And we opened our hotel during that same time when we reopened, but we decided to only open half of our rooms and just leave them for hosted guests at this time. Now, I'm assuming that both of you, while you were closed down, had a percentage of your staff that worked remotely during that time. Have you switched back to having staff in your facility on site or are you, you know, allowing some of your staff to still work from home? Are you thinking of switching and having more of your staff work from home versus on site? It seems to be a trend. I know a lot of businesses around the country have given a lot of employees the option now to work from home versus on property. So I'm just wondering where you're at with that. Well, with us, I was the only one working during the time off uh, or the time we're closed for up until about two weeks prior. Then I had a couple of my people working remotely and a couple here on site. So we were basically just keeping the wheels on the bus, so to speak. And after we got started, because the office that they share is more of a common room style office, it didn't make sense to have everyone in the room at the same time. So we've uh, started a rotation where each of our uh, staff has about two days a week they work remotely. And this is only to reduce the number of people that are in the office. And how many people do you have in total in your IT department, John? Seven. Okay. Don, what about you? 
Uh, during closure, we probably retained about 9% of our overall team member count. And there were, besides security and facility that have to remain on property while we were closed, the rest of the team, there probably was only a handful of us that would actually come to the office every day. The others did work remotely. Our hosts were in constant communication with their host sit players. And during closure, it was kind of crazy because, you know, we thought, well, Maybe at the end of March, we'll open because we closed the end of day, March 16th, thinking maybe this is going to be a couple weeks. So we kept some of the team on and then those two weeks came and gone. And then it just kind of was everything was measured out in a couple weeks, it seemed like. So we wanted to be ready when the doors open, but our general manager had formed a plan ahead team and we worked on the health and safety protocol, our plan, just getting the PP&E ordered. You know, we did a lot of that focus while we were closed. And then just the reopening strategy that we had to implement to get open. So it was just a nice, easy opening. But we've only brought back probably 50% of our team right now, even some of the outlets that are closed. And we've kind of tried to focus more on the health and safety piece of it. So the EVS, the housekeeping, you know, they're out there cleaning and we have, it's kind of all hands on deck when it comes to the cleaning front of the house. There's cleaning protocols that we have to do in the back of the house also. And so we've taken on those with each department to make sure that their own areas are sanitized and clean. But the working remotely from home, we still have that for folks that need to work from home or that feel that they have to. But we've, with only half of our staff back in back of the house with the office spacing and things like that, we don't have an issue with that. But there are certain individuals that still work from home when they can. Have either of you found some type of service that you had to provide during the time you were shut down or maybe something new that you had to provide now that you're open, but we're still within a pandemic that you did not have to service before? The remote access is obviously a big one. I mean, uh, we didn't have a stack of laptops to work with, so we were really scrambling at the time and getting laptops out there to make sure they had virus protection. In some cases, it was traveling to people's houses and setting up their computers for them. So it was definitely an interesting on that end, the services that we've had to provide. It's been the direction IT has been trying to go on for a very, very long time. But it's also quite frightening because when you deal with people working from home, and you deal with all the cybersecurity risk and all the different, you know, the risky behaviors they have in their home. So we had to do things that I normally wouldn't do, which is work on personal computers to make sure, okay, you don't have viruses, here's your virus protection, things like that, because we didn't have a stack of laptops to work with. So it's been, it's been a, it's been new. <laughs> it's been a new experience. A lot like working with hotel guests sometimes. Yeah, that is very different. Like, you know, and when you, you think about a casino and how tight their security is, to have a person work on their home computer accessing casino files or documents or players club information, that's a huge deal. It's a completely different way of working than typical. Exactly. And, you know, to provide the security we have to, it's a, it's a challenge. We have to get in there and we have to look at what they have. Sometimes it's like working on grandma's computer. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, why did you click on this? You know? Right. Yeah. 
I'm sure. After implementing some of these different solutions that you've had to, have you found any that you think will remain permanent? For us, I think the remote working will remain. We did a survey. Well, we've done multiple surveys throughout this entire pandemic and how everybody's dealing with it of, of tribes all across the U.S., And one of the things that surprised me the most was one of the questions we asked in our latest, which is sort of the recovery piece, was how is your executive team, your organization feeling about the future? Options were that things will quickly get back to where they were, things will slowly get back to where they were, or they will never be like they were. And I was surprised that not one person, not one out of everybody surveyed, said that things will not at least reach the levels they were at before. And I'm wondering uh, about your thoughts and your organization. Are you feeling positive about the fact that we're there, or we're going to get to where we were and then go beyond it? Or is that is that your consensus as well? Mine is. I think we are in a situation that's similar to 9-11, where we've gotten to a point where we're we're so used to doing things that they'll just never go away. There's just things that, you know, I mean, we never took off our shoes going to airport security. Now we're used to it. We're used to all these different things that we do. You know, I think we're going to be like that. I think that we're going to have some type of, uh, like in our case, we're non-smoking right now. Uh, that was another thing we did when we opened was we went non-smoking. I think we're going to see a large surge in non-smoking facilities throughout the country, a lot like when bars ban smoking. And not because the law said to, I think it's going to become more commonplace to have more non-smoking facilities. I think we're going to see telehealth become a big deal, especially for our tribal members. Telehealth is going to be huge as something that's changed because telehealth was there for a while. It's been there for a few years, but it's never been really a mainstream thing. And now I think that's here to stay. I think it's going to be a lot more of that type of change that we're going to be dealing with everywhere. Don, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, How is everybody feeling at your organization? Are we going to surpass where we're at? You're feeling pretty, pretty positive about that? Yeah, I am actually just given, you know, where we're at since we reopened financially, you know, it's exceeding our expectations. So that's good. We feel confident about that. But just with team members and our guests coming here, they're accepting of what we have to do to keep our doors open and keep everything safe. So I think that as we move forward, when we want to visit the facility, we're going to do the temp checks, we're going to do these type of things. You know, I'm not sure how long that those type of requirements to have to go through to be able to come in and just to remain safe. One thing that this has brought out is for more people to be a little bit open to look at new things, maybe some of the processes, they've went back to their areas and reevaluated maybe how they've done things, whether it was processes or technology that has brought out some good conversations and been able to implement certain things to improve the situation we're in. Yeah, that's, that is true. Sometimes when your hand is forced uh, to make change, 
it is the best time to make some wholesale changes. And John, the topic you talked about, even telehealth, uh, some of the stuff we're talking about in some other podcasts that we'll be doing with our uh, health and governmental services from tribes, definitely we'll be focusing on that. That's a whole new experience. And you're right, it has been around for a while, but people just really haven't used it. And suddenly they were forced to use it. And the, the question Will they continue and will that grow? And, and I, I believe it will as well. One of the things also I think that's kind of come out of this is from the vendor side of it, while we were closed, we received positive responses from our vendors that normally would have been selling us things. Instead, this time they were reaching out to us, providing any support that we needed, asking us if there was anything they could do for us. So that was nice to see during that time who our real partners were. And they had a lot of products that, that were new to them that they were offering us for the health and safety portion of it. Some of them we did order things that you know we would normally found through them, but we did utilize that. And another thing that I've noticed during this is products that some of the vendors had technology-wise, things like that, we're actually taking a look at now. They seem to make more sense now. So those are some of the things that we're doing with our vendors during this time. Yeah, I saw a lot of the same things, uh, Don. It was it was actually incredible the amount of partnerships, the varying level of strategic support and partnership that we received was actually fantastic. I've seen a lot of them switch to COVID-related uh, monitoring. It was amazing for us as well. We definitely had a similar experience with, with all of our vendors. They really stepped up to the plate and supported us. And in cases where we were closed, they even waived maintenance fees during those times. I mean, they really, really supported us in a way that I was extremely impressed with. And I think everyone was. Yes, same. That, that was one of the things. And that's where I said, you know, they were in the same situation we were in and they were still offering those type of discounts or those kind of things being waived and, and just the support of the staff that they still had on during that time. It's great to hear such positive thoughts from everybody about where the future is still taking us. There's been a lot of negativity over so many months, and it's great to see that places are reopening. People are getting back to work, back to their so-called normal lives, and a very positive thought about where we're going. Thanks for listening to our show today. If you have a topic for us to cover or a story to share, please let me know. I can be reached at michelleb at tribalhub.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to never miss an episode. Connect with all of us here at Tribal Hub by searching Tribal Hub on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And visit our webpage at tribalhub.com. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.